the date for the Halibu election has been set. And this week, we meet one of the new generation of leaders trying to bring change to a troubled First Nation band. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thanks for your support. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We're hearing some exciting reports about people thinking about running for the next Halibut Council, which will be chosen in a telephone and online vote in October. Like us on Facebook to get the latest election updates. Our guest this week is someone who's already in, Jenny Brake, running for Western Vice Chief. There are two Vice Chiefs. There is also one from Central. Together with the Chief, the two Vice Chiefs form the Executive, the leadership of the band between meetings. So Vice Chief is a pivotal position. We sat down with Jenny Brake and spoke about her background, why she's running, and what difference she would make in a First Nation hungry for change. Hey, Jenny, welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks, Glenn. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, So first of all, thanks for stepping up. I know it's a big thing to run for for a Halibut Council, and uh, there are many other things you could be doing, and you've decided to do this, so so thanks for for that. It's my honor. I'm really excited about the opportunity. Now, uh, many people will know you and know of you, but for those of our listeners who don't, let's uh, do a little introduction of you. You are a welder by trade, and uh, you're currently vice chair of the Halibut Cultural Foundation. And um, people might have seen your work. Some of your, you're an artist, and Mm -hmm. some of your art is at the MMIW Garden in Cornerbrook there. And I understand the Grand Council flag that flies at City Hall in Cornerbrook is your work and you incorporated a kind of a seal skin element in that um yes that's correct yeah so your your um, fingerprints are out there all over <laughs> yeah any opportunity i get to uh stamp ourselves as Mi'kmaq people in our community to make us feel visible and and i guess see our identity in our community is very important to me something that i really strive to do and uh, so are you from cornerbrook i grew up in the bay of islands actually in frenchman's cove Ah. Yeah, my parents are originally from Curling, and um, they moved to Frenchman's Cove for the beautiful salt water that we yes. enjoy so much. Mm. Mm. Such a great view going down over the hill. No matter how many times you go down that hill, you can't help but uh, you know catch your breath a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you've made this um, you've made this decision to run for Western Vice Chief, and why did you make that decision? Well, Glenn, I work for a number of different organizations, including um, the Halibut Cultural Foundation, as you know. I volunteer my time with, uh, with the Cultural Foundation as well as Empowering Indigenous Women for Stronger Communities, uh, which is a beautiful project that incorporates all the four Indigenous groups in the province. Um, I really am passionate about working for our community, for all of our communities, to bring them together. And I feel like I can be better service to those those projects, those all those arms that we have that are doing all the good work, all the grassroots community projects and groups that are out there that uh, the Cultural Foundation funds, 
all the communities that are doing the engagement pieces with empowering Indigenous women. I feel like if I have a seat at council, maybe I can, you know, I can do a better job of, of working with Halibut to make those partnerships stronger within those communities. Now, um, you had your, uh, your launch uh, uh, a week or so ago down on the, the lawn there. And one of the things you said was that you would be the voice of those who have been left out. Mm-hmm. And who are you thinking of there? I'm thinking of so many members that have been left behind. Um, the people that have had their cards revoked. Um, I've spoken to, to parents about their children learning that they no longer have their status. And that's such a sad story to hear when kids feel like they're, they're confused about who they are. I mean, they, they once thought they knew who they were and they were excited about about that. And then all of a sudden they're told, oh, wait a minute, you're not that anymore. And how it's affected even young children, uh, how it's torn apart families. You know, I mean, a brother and a sister and one has status and one doesn't. Um, I personally feel that, you know, culture shouldn't have a, um, a card. You know, you shouldn't have to have a card to have access to culture. I mean, there are some things we don't have full control over, like access to certain benefits. And I hope that we can work towards those things. But I mean, Halibut is not a Costco. We don't need we don't need a card to get in to, to express our culture. And I really feel that currently there's this sense of um, eliteness to to the building and and to the the idea of who's allowed in. And I feel that that's not an indigenous way of doing things. And I really want us to be more inclusive and and have a less colonial way. Uh, of our approach to council in a more indigenous way. So uh, I take it then that you would, uh, in terms of the uh, events that Halibu puts on, workshops, um, Mm -hmm. language instruction, all those things for which you don't need a card, uh, Mm -hmm. like uh, non-insured health benefits and education funding, uh, all those other things you would provide equally to Halibu members or or anyone else who would uh, self-identify as Mi'kmaq? Well, culturally, I feel, I mean, even the churches have an open door policy. So I feel culturally there should be an open door policy for people to learn about culture. So I think that if, I mean, I know myself, if anyone came to my door and wanted to learn about their culture, I would never turn them away. Or if they wanted to learn about our culture, because a part of a reconciliation is, a, is an education. Right. We need our allies to understand our culture in order to reconcile and move forward. Um, When it comes to membership benefits that are in place right now, I will certainly advocate to, you know, to reinstate, to change, you know, the path forward so our community can come back together. I mean, it's it's really devastated a lot of a lot of families and a lot of communities in terms of um, the enrollment discussions per se, those mm-hmm. meetings that have been going on since uh, 2018 with the federal government. Uh, if you were Western vice chief over this period of time, would you have advocated for any different approach or would you have done anything differently than has been done during that period of time? You know, Glenn, I have had a lot of discussions with a lot of people in the community about, you know, about the process. And I don't like to look back. We're not going back. We're going forward. 
And I don't know that or what I would have done in the situation, but going forward, I feel like we have to do better. We have to learn from the past and we have to move forward in a better way. So I definitely, uh, I feel very passionate about advocating, you know, the people that, that should be there, the people that deserve to be there. I mean, how, how can one sister and one brother not have the same access? You know, it's a bit bizarre. The, uh, the selection process, the, the way that was done, I mean, I feel, you know, I, I can't speak to what was done then because I wasn't there. And I assume they did the best that they could do. I mean, you have to give uh, to give some leniency there. I know it can't be easy to make those decisions, but um, I I can't imagine that I wouldn't, you know, swim upstream hard like our salmon to do to do the best I could do to advocate for all of our people. I just wouldn't want to see that divide carry on. It just, we have so much uh, pain and stress to repair in our communities. Now you bring. Uh, uh, I don't know if there's anyone been on uh, Halibut Council to this point who has been a, <clears throat> a member of Halibut staff in the past, but you bring that unique insight. You were education outreach officer at one time. So what, uh, in terms of your understanding of, uh, of Halibut, what, what advantage is that for you having been a member of staff? Well, uh, I think I have a really unique perspective of the overall operation day to day within the organization. Um, yeah, I think that just gives me a really great advantage of knowing how things go, you know, how the, the cogs of the wheel work together. I still have a very uh, excellent relationship with all of the staff, directors, uh, with my work with QCF. We still collaborate on as much as possible and try to support each other. In your launch, you talked about the having a more inclusive and welcoming environment at the band mm -hmm. office. Mm -hmm. What were you getting at there? I feel that um, there's a, a bit of a coldness when you walk into the band office, you know, and I know COVID has put many restrictions on, you know, the comings and goings of people and they've done a wonderful job of keeping everybody safe. But I feel like our band office has a, more of like a, a feeling of say like an accounting firm or, you know, like it's, it doesn't, when I walk in, I don't feel like I'm walking into a culturally welcoming space where I see my own self reflected, you know, and I, I would love to see more of that and see a more openness to community happening. And I'm sure that will happen when restrictions loosen up with COVID. I, I really do hope so. But I think we need to engage all those amazing local artists that we have and, and put some color in there and make it make people feel really excited to walk in and know that it's a part of their own culture. Hmm. There's been a certain amount of um, chatter about the um, morale of staff and um, certain internal issues. So do you have any insight on, on that and how things, uh, how are things on the inside? I don't work there anymore. Um, it's a tough one, Glenn. I don't work there anymore. I, I did feel that that could improve when I did work there. Um, since I have left, I obviously, like I mentioned before, I do have a lot of friends that uh, continue to work there. And uh, I mean, I know that the staff, they're passionate about their work. Um, whether they feel supported or safe in their work environment, I really, uh, I can't speak to that. But um, if I were elected, that's something I, I surely would strive to ensure. Also, in your um, in your speech uh, at uh, on the lawn, there you said meaningful change. 
that puts the community first. Yeah. That's what that's one of one of your objectives. And and tell us what you were talking about there in that statement. I what I mean by community first is that I want the voice of our community to be valued. So us as ward counselor, or not us, I guess, the ward counselors representing each community, it's it's their job to bring the concerns of the community to the table. And I think the ward counselors are, are doing their best. But I feel like the approach that we're taking right now is a little too colonial and a little less indigenous, you know? I feel like, uh, you know, we kind of get into the motion of uh, organizations and protocols and uh, it's, it becomes more of, uh, I guess I'll use the analogy of the, um, the uh, accounting firm again, where it feels more of a business instead of a community. And I hear so many people say that, you know, they don't feel their voice is valued or that, you know, they don't, uh, they feel like they can't come and practice their culture. I mean, there's no, there's no designated space for people to gather for culture, for one. And I mean, those meaningful partnerships should be in place with municipalities. That should be something that, you know, is first and foremost, so that all people feel that they they see their identity in their communities and they feel that there's a welcome space for them to gather. On the ground, of course, as we know, a lot of work is done by the community bands that have very little in the way of resources, some more than others. A lot of volunteers, no staff, people doing it on their kitchen table in their off hours, do you think there's a way to um, to build that relationship so it's more formal, so there's more of, a, of an exchange between Halibu itself and these community bands? Oh, Glenn, absolutely. Well, right now, my car has no passenger capacity because it is actually full of uh, smudge kits that we're giving out through our program with QCF. So we have this incredible program. We have 525 smudge kits to give out to youth ages 12 to 35. So I am the volunteer that you're speaking of. I'm all too familiar with my kitchen table being full. My my porch closet is full of shirts with uh, my painting on it that we're selling through QCF, uh, the swag, everything we have. So I think that the band needs to really work strongly with QCF because QCF is the one that funds these grassroots communities to be able to do their programming, to be able to enrich their communities. So if the band has a strong partnership with QCF, and I mean, and I mean really strong, I mean, even down to providing a, uh, a staff person would be wonderful because right now, I mean, QCF runs completely on um, volunteer manpower. And beyond that, we have, we've managed to uh, drum up some funding to create a, a couple positions this summer, which is wonderful because it takes the weight off the volunteers. But I mean, to be sustainable and to really be impactful in our community, we need to support that non-political, um, you know, status-blind organization that helps everybody. I think that heals communities too, you know. And it, it mm. really, it it it's like a happy medium there, you know. Like I know that the band has their hands tied with membership, but if you can support everybody by, you know, supporting your cultural foundation, I mean, a lot of really important work happens there. So the. The campaign has begun. You've put your your name forward, and mm-hmm. um, so and what will what will that look like from your point of view? How are you going to campaign as candidate for Western Vice Chief of Halibut First Nation? The only way I know how, Glenn, I'm going to be boots to ground, <laughs> out tormenting everybody, looking for a cup of tea in every community. That's just the way I am, you know. And that's uh, even with my day job. That's that's what we do, you know. Like 
I work for a non-for-profit. We, uh, we work really hard connecting with community and, and I, I'll operate in the same manner in my endeavor for vice chief. Do you foresee, um, you know, any slates of candidates, candidates for different positions supporting each other? Uh, or do you think it's all going to be each individual candidate doing their own thing with none of that uh, sort of back and forth between different candidates? Uh, well, maybe I'm early to the races, but I haven't really heard much of anything at all, quite honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I know that Jeff Sparks is running for chief. I assume Keith Mitchell will run again. I assume Keith Cormier will run again. Uh, other than that, I really don't know who we'll see at the table. I'm excited to see who will come forward. It's going to be nice to have some healthy competition. We will know in uh, almost exactly one month who's mm-hmm. on the uh, list because that's the that will be the deadline, more or less, um, about uh, for for knowing um, who will be in. If you were to look ahead um, in your crystal ball there. And um, after the the end of your three-year term as Western Vice Chief, what would need to happen for you to say, God, I'm good. I've done a great job as Western Vice Chief because of uh, X, Y, and Z. What would those things be? Healing of communities. The end of lateral violence. Um, I see way too much hurt in our communities over status, non-status. I see a lot of, uh, you know, pointing fingers of who's more Indian, quote unquote, you know, like that kind of behavior. I want to see people come together and lift each other up. Um, I know there's a lot of reason to be frustrated, but I feel like if I do a good job, then people will come together and work for the greater good. Um, I want to see, you know, more investment in communities, you know, like I want to see municipalities partner with our Indigenous uh ability to to bring funds to communities, to put in infrastructure, to create jobs, to create really good partnerships that, you know, like good business for us. Like we, we need to grow, you know, we need to really take what we have and we need to make it grow. As a um, someone who's a welder by tree, can we infer from that then on the Valentine Lake issue that you're supportive of that project or what, uh, you know, there are different competing points of view on whether Valentine Lake is, uh, is worth the environmental risk. What is, what is your view on that? Well, um, in my position with the Office to Advance uh, Women Apprentices, I'm a program coordinator. And I, work with, um, I work with women, I guess, on the point of entry to trades. So um, my colleague, Mary Ford, she's our outreach manager, and she has had a lot of conversations uh, with the organization and uh, Timothy Williams, I think is the chief operating officer. And she's been speaking to him and to Mary Hatherley, and she's the stakeholder engagement manager as well. So my role in that project and well, our office's role would to be to provide a diversity and inclusion plan. And that includes, um, you know, gender, um, indigenous people, minority groups. So, We are also, our office is also very, um, I guess, we don't ever support anything that's not environmentally or diversity inclusive. So we are working with them closely to see how this progresses. They do seem very eager to, you know, to work with whatever group they need to work with to make this uh, a respectful and beneficial project for, for the people involved. So, I mean, I say if you can make it work on, on all aspects, environmentally, 
you can be respectful to all people involved and you can create, you know, 400 jobs at its peak over, you know, I think 12 years, that would be a wonderful thing, but we need to meet all those points first. Well, Jenny, thank you very much. Uh, great to chat with you. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, the conversation as the, uh, as the campaign unfolds. So um, good luck out there. It's been nice chatting. Thanks so much, Glenn. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Jenny Break candidate for Western Vice Chief of Halibut First Nation. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Mi'kmaq Matters is available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could leave a nice review, we'd really appreciate it. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Emsat Nokomah.